0: The following podcast is a work of fiction. All characters are the creation of Peter Williams. Any resemblance to someone living or dead is purely coincidental. Thank you. Happy Tuesday, Tentacle Tuesday. It's time for another chapter of Detective Ron Stevens and the Cullen Files. Today, we return to the story... As late winter has settled in, and one very cold and wet Ben Cullen, needing shelter, enters the winter residence, unaware that something hungry awaits. Maybe he could play past the bottle with Demon Devin or (laughs) Lady Cassandra. How nice. Let me begin with saying that this podcast does contain images of graphic violence. Child endangerment in foul, foul, foul language. And you must be this tall to listen. Or at least 13 years old. (laughs) Now, buckle up your overcoats. Make sure that the fire burns warm and bright as we delve into Chapter 8 and the darkness that consumes... Ben looked at the winter residence through the falling snow. It seemed to gaze back at him, windows like dark eyes, the columns and door, teeth and fangs, the sharp thorny brush like claws pulling and tugging at his flesh, the heaviness of its aura pressing down on him like an invisible hand. He gulped as he struggled down the path, wind howling, moaning around the dilapidated structure. As he neared, he looked at the four large doors, police tape hanging and blowing, making a tattering sound. Maybe it will be locked, he hoped it would be. A child giggled nearby, and one of the doors slowly pushed back, a hungry, toothless mouth accepting the morsel that crept nearer and nearer. He looked back at the woods and the drifting snow. Maybe it's better to die out here then. Ben? No, it couldn't be. Ben, is that you? The glowing shape of his Emily stood near the entrance, beckoning him, her blonde hair hanging over her bare shoulders and onto a stunning blue dress. Um, he managed to croak out, surprised to hear his own voice in over two years. Yes, Ben, I'm here. So are the children. Ben could see three small, glowing figures just behind her. They looked as if they had been playing catch with a small beach ball. Laughing, they turned to him, glowing, empty eyes. Their smiles more like twisted cracks in their face of a poorly carved jack-o'-lantern than one of a happy, healthy child. No. No. Ben answered the graven images. Y- you're not them. You can't be! He hollered out. And sure enough, they vanished, freezing Wet to the bone, he looked at the open, empty doorway and tapped the bottle in the long coat. It's not real, Ben. Not real. You need to go inside and get warm. And Ben did. He entered the dark foyer. To his left, he could see an arched doorframe and a dark-tiled floor. In front of him rose a semicircular stairway with a wall of books built into it. In the darkness, just beyond the foyer another arched doorframe, and in the gray beckoning light, a large stone fireplace. He could light a fire, dry off, and, well, enjoy the bottle and his cigarettes. He started towards the open doorway and kicked something on the floor. He looked down. It was a woman's shoe. Odd, he thought. He picked it up. The straps on it were broken, and he wondered who it belonged to. Not that that really mattered. Tossing it away, he approached the stone fireplace and marveled at it. The hearth was so large, he could roast a pig in it. Looking for some wood, he found nothing. Furniture it is. He grabbed a wood rocker that sat nearby. But how to break it up? Spying the poker, he smiled. He swang it, smashing the thing into pieces. As his hands became sweaty, something slick smeared across his palms. In this light, it was hard to make out what it could be, but it was sticky like sap. Ignoring it, he continued to break down the chair. He placed the chair into the hearth and dug into his pockets to find his lighter. Flicking it open, he started to light the chair, but it wouldn't take. Realizing that he was wasting fluid and burning his hand, he looked at the books in the foyer. Not fond of the idea of burning books, he looked over the collection as quick as possible. He needs something worth burning. He found Milo Keating's, questions on God, humanity, and alien influence. Perfect. Ripping out the pages and stuffing it between the fractured wood, he once again attempted to light the fire. It immediately took, and soon a blaze illuminated the room and started to warm up Ben's wet and cold body. Taking the bottle and cigarettes out of the coat, he pulled over an end table and chair. He would need more furniture at some point, but for now, he could undress, let his clothes dry and, well, enjoy himself some well-earned cheer while sitting in comfort Um, unbuttoning the heavy jacket, and then removing his wet clothing, he laid them out in front of the mantle on the wood floor and plopped his naked body in the lounge chair. Grabbing the bottle, he pulled off the cork and down a throat full of booze. As he pulled it away from his mouth and placed the bottle down, it stuck to him a little, reminding him that something gooey had been on the poker. Now with enough light, he turned his palms upward. Dark crimson blood stained his hands. He freaked out a little. How did blood get on the poker? Wouldn't the police have taken it in as evidence? Did they miss it somehow? He quickly took another drink and poured some of the precious bottle onto his hands, trying to clean off the bloodstains. But they didn't come clean. Shit, he thought. Maybe if he used some snow. He started to get up but stumbled. The booze must have hit him more quickly than he anticipated. Catching himself against a big chair, Ben steadied himself and started to go step by step back towards the foyer and the front door. A sweet voice met his ears. Oh, Ben, are you drinking again? He turned. Again it was Emily. She looked stunning. Em? He gasped. How? How? Come on, Ben. She effortlessly moved through the living room and approached a naked man. But you and the kids... You left me, and... He was struggling with what to say. Does it really matter, Ben? She replied. I'm here now. No, you can't be, he insisted. He looked at the half-empty bottle. You're not real. Em and the kids are in Cali. Shame, shame, Ben, shame. The image vanished, and the room dimmed. The fire had begun to burn out, and he grabbed the chair and stuffed it into the mantle. He wouldn't dare touch the poker again. When the snow cleared, he could tell the chief what he found. No longer able to sit and drink, he checked his clothes. They weren't quite dry enough to put back on. He stared at the bottle. He wanted more, but he didn't want any of those ghosts. No, not ghosts. Living things aren't ghosts. Memories they were memories He had to stay sober until he left this tomb But the urge was so strong. He wanted more maybe Maybe by drinking more it could help him forget Before he knew it the bottle was to his lips and he was crying so weak Why why am I so weak? Is that so wrong? It was the chief this time. I'm... I'm... The old man looked at the image, trying to excuse the bottle. What, Ben? That? It's fine. Fine. Just my trust you're drinking there. My trust. My money. My coat. What else would you like, Ben? Maybe... The image held out something bloody and messy. Maybe one of my kidneys. Or... My liver, when yours fails. No. No, no, no. It's too late, Ben, the chief replied, blood staining his clothes, spilling onto the floor. Stop! Ben screamed. And like with M, he was gone. No chief, no blood. Ben looked at the bottle. Either the alcohol is bad, or it's this place. He looked around at his surroundings, really looked at them. Images, faces of men and beasts, grinning at him in the firelight. One particularly strange one flowed out of the darkness, with very feminine in stance and shape, but more like a spiderly shadow than a woman, a woman that he had never seen before. Who? Who are you? I am anyone you want me to be. He saw his mom, his sister, Emily, and his old commander. Or, are you real?' "'Very, Ben,' he replied. "'Come, just play along. Stop resisting. Stop resisting me.'" "'But?' "'But what? Don't you want to be with someone? Aren't you lonely, Ben?' Yes, but, the confused man responded, was she real? Could he? You're already naked, Ben, the thing replied. Why not enjoy? Give into your passions. No, 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 this is a trick of the alcohol and and this place, this, this horrid place. Without thought, he picked up the big jacket and made haste to the front door. Uh, uh, Uh-uh-uh, Ben, it said. You can't go. Please, I don't want, he retorted. He could feel it grabbing at him, pulling him back towards the living room. But Ben, it replied, I'm so hungry. (laughs) Something sharp grabbed at him. It hurt. We're so hungry, several voices chimed in. No, this is a mistake. I, I just wanted to. He pulled out of the coat and sprinted again to the door. The harsh winter wind met him like a wall of ice. He heard laughs and giggles from behind. Mother! Mother! He's naked! Naked! Oh, so hungry! Mother! No! Ben screamed out. No, please! Something warm and wet like a tongue wrapped around his midsection. He looked at it with terror as it seared his skin. No! He screamed as it started to pull him back into the living room. I'm so hungry. The thing moved back in front of him. Its face lovely and cold. It lifted his chin and smiled. Then eat my child. Ben squirmed and struggled as he felt things grip his bare flesh. His skin burning. He let out one last terrified scream before everything went dark. All those faces... All those eyes staring and watching as this black shadow with wings engorged itself on Ben, flash tearing and blood splattering on the walls as it enjoyed its banquet of darkness. Outside the wind and snow continued the swirl so that no one heard the screams or the hungry hollow laughter of satisfaction. Once more it had eaten, but it had not eaten enough. It would need more, much, much more. Several days would pass before Ben's shopping cart was found, half buried by the snowplow. The chief immediately checked at the motel he had set Ben up with. When no one reported seeing him since the day before the storm, they began to ask the locals. All Ben? the clerk said as a couple officers with Ben's pitcher combed the area. Sure, I saw him. Late last week, just before the storm hit. He bought himself some and made his way up towards Sixth. Why? He's been missing since the storm, they replied. Jeez, I'm sorry, he replied. I did tell him to get someplace warm quickly, he said in a defensive tone. We're not blaming you. We're just inquiring. We found a shopping cart about a mile from here, under the overpass. Well, if you do find him, let me know. I mean, I really like the old coot. The officers left and reported in. He didn't turn up at the shelter, St. Teresa's, or the church. With that, the chief gave up hopes of finding him, at least not alive. He stood under the overpass where Ben left his cart and looked up into the woods. Could he have? He grabbed his cell phone and called his two favorite misfits. Yeah, chief, Jay asked. I want you two to head to the winter residence. It's the only place we haven't checked, and it's only a few miles away from Bleecker. Copy, Chief, he replied. We'll head there right after we finish Operation Shorty. The Chief could hear the squeal delight of, of a young girl. The two detectives had wanted to give Lily a new cat after the monster incident, but Andrea asked them to wait until after the holidays were over. She wanted to give her daughter a chance to heal before making a new friend. Just don't take too long, he paused and added, and you two clowns shouldn't be spoiling our citizens like this. Soon, everybody will want one. Copy, Chief, Jay laughed. The Chief smiled as he hung up the phone. They're good men. Two of the best, he thought. Warren smirked as the kitten climbed its way up his leg. Lily let out a laugh. He's not a tree pork bun, she said, pulling the kitten off of him as she raised it into the air, spinning around it in a circle. Renee was there, too, with her pup that had doubled in size. Jay showed it a bright blue ball before tossing it sky-high for the pup to catch. Jay called out to Warren. We need to wrap this up. Right, Warren said. Okay, girls, we've got to get back to work. You take good care of Pork Bun, and what did you say the dog's name was? Benjamin, Renee chirped. Okay, take care of Benjamin, Kim smiled at the two men. We can't thank you enough. Those two have been inconsolable about Shadow where it happen we could heal a broken heart, he replied. Well, you have, Renee's father, Steve, said. Just one question, Warren asked Andrea. Pork bun? The woman shrugged her shoulders. Got me, detective. They all laughed as Jay and Warren got their final hugs from the girls and headed back to the vehicle. So, what did the chief want, Jay? He thinks there's a chance Ben may have used a winter residence as shelter from last week's snowstorm. That place? I wouldn't stay there if the world was coming to an end, Warren noted. I hear you, but let's go. And with a final wave, the two men drove off. So, next week we officially open the Cullen file. It only took nine weeks to get here, but who's counting? <laughs> As our heroes head to the Winter Residence, What do they find there? A little bit of this? A little bit of that? A little bit of Ben? Or will whatever demonic entity that now inhabits the home, will it make itself known? Tune in next week for Chapter 9, Echoes of a Nightmare.